Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Nation. This is your pal Dane on another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the best in wrestling news and just banter. You know, it doesn't even have to be about wrestling. You know, the way we do a show, it's a fun conversation and you guys are listening and you're lucky for that, if anything. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, something that I would like to say that we are lucky for is the career of a man that has been wrestling for, I think, 27 years, named The Undertaker. Um, WrestleMania was an amazing night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was my first live WrestleMania in years, personally. And to see one of my favorite wrestlers retire uh, was pretty surreal because I watched the Shawn Michaels match, and I, I had seen Stone Cold, but I didn't know that was his last match. And um, I had seen Ric Flair's, but, you know, they weren't live and they weren't right in front of me. Um so it was definitely crazy because, I mean, I won tickets to um, Survivor Series in Atlanta, uh, not this year, but the one previous to it, and I got to see Undertaker come out, and it was always like a wrestling thing that I wanted to see. Him and Kane came and fought the Wyatt brothers and put them through a table with a double choke slam. It was awesome. Um, just really crazy uh, that the Undertaker is not going to be here, and I will admit, I did get teary-eyed. Um, it was pretty sad when he took off his jacket and everything. But let me introduce the show to our my other two co-hosts and uh, see what they have to say about The Undertaker and the fact that we're not going to see the Phenom anymore in the ring and just pass stuff. First, uh, Chris, how you doing, buddy? Uh, what do you have to say Good, about The man. Undertaker? Oh, man. What a wonderful, great career. <laughs> All the way from WCW is uh, Mark Callis part of the dangerous alliance with the, the dirty pole 
E. Heyman and the giant cell phone all the way through my entire childhood, seeing him tombstone Hogan onto a chair, seeing, the, you know, furthering that, beat Yokozuna, um, the matches he had with Mick Foley, uh, the great matches he had with Shawn Michaels, even when he was doing a heel turn as, you know, corporate ministry undertaker, just someone that is irreplaceable in the wrestling business and will be missed. I'm glad to see him go out uh, kind of the way he did. I thought it was a good match for what it was, and we're going to talk about more of that later. But um, I was with you, Dane. I got I got kind of sad when he put the hat down and the coat down in the middle of the ring. As Ric Flair would say, with a tear in my eye, <laughs> I sat back and watched that and uh, just thought about all that Undertaker has given the wrestling business and how I hope he's always remembered. Like 30 years from now when I'm talking to a kid about professional wrestling, they're definitely going to get schooled on The Undertaker, where now it's like, you know, Terry Funk, but maybe you got to start easing him into the conversation. So uh, definitely in my top ten list of probably the greatest wrestlers of all time. Definitely the greatest man of his size as a wrestler of all time. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up without me getting too emotional, but uh Yeah. Rest in peace, Undertaker, I guess. Definitely rest in peace. And, I mean, that's the thing that's crazy about the Phenom is the fact that you have someone that's so stacked. You know, he's in the conversation for the top five greatest wrestlers, even based off his size. The fact of what he was able to do, you know, I mean, whether it be old school or doing the uh, Dead Man's Dive over the – it just – he was incredible in ring. He's probably in the conversation for the top ten biggest names of all time. Uh, especially in WWE for wrestling. And, I mean, as far as him being a locker room leader and being the one that ran stuff in the back, like, he's respected in the industry like Sting, like Arn Anderson, like, you know, guys that people really look up to that have, have had that role before in the past, too. And uh, it's just crazy. Uh, Juwan is also here, obviously. Juwan, uh, do you have any memories about The Undertaker? And what do you have to say about WrestleMania? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely thank you, uh, Undertaker. I know the, uh, I actually got to see him live once. I went to a live event when I was a kid, uh, and definitely was a surreal experience. It was when him and Kane were, uh, a tag team together. Um, and it was just a great experience to see such a phenomenal, uh, superstar of, of his stature and, um, you know, of his cachet. Uh, it's it's definitely not going to be the same seeing him, uh, you know, gone and no longer a part of WrestleMania as far as doing matches. But you know, it's just a really sad sad moment. I definitely agree with you, and I want to show. Um, want to ask you both the question: In what way do you think that he can come back? Like, do you see there being? Undertaker in the back like like Arn's doing or like a lot of the back guys are doing, be a part of the talent? Or could you see him possibly coming back as a manager or even like an announcer? Or, or do you just want to see the Phenom just rest in peace, uh, figuratively speaking? Uh, Chris? In all honesty, the way uh, I, I almost wanted them to put, like somehow superimpose a sunset with The Undertaker walking off into it. And if he's never part of the wrestling business again, then he doesn't owe anyone anything. Now, if he wants to do something, I could see him doing something more like a road agent like Arn Anderson or a talent manager. Um, I don't really see him as an on-camera presence as much because The Undertaker is The Undertaker. 
you don't really think of the Undertaker as you know Mark. He, he is. I mean, Undertaker is one person that has always lived and breathed that gimmick. And while it has changed and, and morphed in in some ways, I think to people to see him on screen being an announcer or a GM, um, it might cheapen you know the memories a little bit of, of who the Undertaker was as a character. So I don't think he'll do that I, personally. Something like a roading uh, manager or something like that, I could see possibly. Yeah, I agree, because it seems like it's too long since he's been the American badass, where that seems more like his actual personality. So it would be strange and jarring. Do you agree with that, Juwan? I mean, to a degree I do. But, I mean, anytime Raw has, like, a Raw old school or something like that, I believe we will see Undertaker back on camera. I mean, you know, he won't be back to wrestle in any capacity. But I could see him, you know, popping up somewhere, choke slamming somebody. You know, you know how like Stone Cold used to pop up and just stunner people. I could see Undertaker being like that Sean in that too type still. of capacity. Yeah, him? absolutely. And like I said, Sean does it too. Still, I mean, he. he oh yeah, hit. Shawn Michaels. Yeah. He always is trying to come I back mean, for even, music. I'd even like to see if they ever, which I, I doubt they will, but if they ever brought back Demon Finn Balor, I'd like to see Undertaker just have a conversation with Demon Finn Balor. And, you know, that, that exchange, I'd like to see that exchange. That would be really cool. Uh, in a way, I, I agree with Chris about if he never has to, he doesn't have to ever again, very similar to when Nick left as commissioner. But it also would be nice to interact with maybe later on like that in that type of capacity. Who knows? But, all right, this all stems from a big event that we had on Sunday night, um, WrestleMania. And I do want to mention right off the bat, before we go into WrestleMania, I just want to talk about, because it was such a badass match with me and Chris at least, uh, the match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Bobby Roode for the NXT title. Shinsuke actually lost uh, to Bobby Roode, but it brings Shinsuke to a nice little place called SmackDown, which we will cover later on. Chris, did you get a chance to watch that match? I did. It was a uh, a really good match. Um, strangely, Bobby Roode and Sinsuke, they don't their in ring styles don't fit so well fit together great for me. Um, but you know they did what they did, and it was a good match. I think it was probably the best match on the um, definitely on the NXT card, and it was better than some of the matches on Mania. I mean, the big setup is Bobby Roode retire or retains, not retires. God, the Undertaker's got me all messed up emotionally. <laughs> Bobby Roode retains. And that was glorious. And, of course, uh, Shinsuke uh, shows up on SmackDown later. So um, it's good for Shinsuke. I kind of wish they could have done something before Mania to get him a, a match on Mania because I think he deserves it. He was in NXT for a long time. I mean, since before AJ Styles debuted. So it um, it's, it's kind of bittersweet because I would have liked to have seen him do something on Mania, especially with Samoa Joe not doing anything at all, maybe – done something there or, uh, you know, showed up and had a fight with them or something, even if he ended up going to SmackDown. But the match itself was good. Um, Bobby Roode, he's really owning this Ric Flair slash Rick Roode type character um, right now. And that theme music is over as shit, so. Yeah, we say that every single time is that that glorious stuff is amazing. It's, 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 it's good shit. Because every time it comes on, it doesn't matter if he's a heel, he comes out and he acts like a pompous douchebag. We're cheering for him because he has this stupid music that's glorious. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun. 
And uh, I think that's a, a good part of his personality. And, yeah, he's definitely owning up to that type of heel concept. I can't wait to see Bobby Roode. And his, we need heels, I think, in the main roster. And I like what they're doing is that just like normally, it's like they let the big guy stay on top for a good amount of time, and then they switch them out, and they keep on doing that periodically. Uh, you know, if, as long as it doesn't become stale on NXT's point, uh, I have no, no problem with that. So we'll just have to wait and see. But Shinsuke, even though he lost to Bobby Roode, I think that they'll they'll end up doing something later on in the future because now – that means that Roode's beaten him twice. Uh, he beat him for the title, and then he just retained the title. So there's, there, there needs to be a rivalry down, you know, not, not anytime soon or anything like that, but once Bobby makes his triumphant return, his glorious presence on either SmackDown or Raw, we'll find out about that. But let's get into WrestleMania and get into the actual card. Another match that was one of my favorite matches of the night, a uh, good match between Neville and Austin Aries. This was a fun match. They went back and forth. I think I think one of my favorite things is because, I mean, the Hurricane run off the top ropes was nuts. Uh, the fact that I think he did the 450 splash, missed it, and then that's when he, uh, Neville came up and hit his move, the Red Arrow. Uh, but just the back and forth between the two, the fact that Neville went and, pretend, you know, he went and he started, like, raking his eye and stuff like that. Like, it was a fun match. Uh, Neville won the, the match inevitably. Never won inevitably. That's kind of like a tongue twister. Anyways, um, but I still think that we're going to see the two of them going at it going forward. Uh, I want Austin Aries is another person that I'd like to see, you know, him go for another title. Like, he doesn't have to stay in cruiserweight land forever. Not saying Neville does, but he's got a great amount of charisma to him, and he could be great as what he's doing right now as a baby or what he should do normally, his, his style as a heel. So, um, Chris, how did you like this match? Uh, I really liked, I liked the match a lot. It was good back and forth. Uh, there were some spots there. They they went on early, so the sun, I think, was definitely affecting some of their top rope stuff, which it, it got kind of scary. Like, when he hit the Phoenix splash, it looked like he was too far out a little bit, and uh, Neville adjusted because Neville's a really good wrestler, too. And uh, I like that he hooks on the last chance or anything. Okay, here it is. Austin's going to get the title. And as a shitbag heel, Neville grabbed him by his recently destroyed orbital socket. And then Austin crawls over to the ropes and he kicks the rope into his face, hitting him in the eye again. Yeah. And that was the red arrow finish, which was great. And like That's Neville right. is right now, he's. He's owning as a fucking heel. I mean, that was just, I thought that was a great match. Um, and for what it was during the time period it was, with it being like 109 degrees out there and the sun's still up, it was a really, really good match. I can't wait to see them uh, have a rematch on the next pay-per-view. I think that they'll, they might tear the house down. Absolutely. And what I love about this is that if you went back a year, they were the exact opposite. Neville was a big baby face. Austin Aries was a big heel. So it's funny to see them take that turn. Great match. Juwan, how did you feel about this match? I really enjoyed this match. <clears throat> um, I, I'm definitely one of those people that want Austin Aries to, um, you know, make it to the, I, I don't know if you call it the main roster of Raw, but I'd love to see him with the uh, United States title, um, or at least him and Kevin Owens going back and forth. Um, I think that'd be a really cool exchange. Keep him as a baby face until he wins the title and then make him heel. 
Um, I'd really enjoy that. But as far as the match, it was really good. Neville, um, Neville usually, to me, always puts on a good performance. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, a way better Evan Bourne. Um, every time I watch Neville, that's, that's kind of what I feel like. Everything Evan Bourne could have been is what Neville is. Um, but I really did enjoy the match. I do hope to see them go up against each other again, but hopefully the next time Austin Aries uh, walks out with the belt. And I think that's what they're they're leading up to. That's what I'm assuming, at least. Uh, let's go to the next match. Uh, I really don't care about this match. All right, I'll, I'll just go into it of what I did not like about this match. This is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. In fact, it's on a kickoff show now. This is becoming so dwindled down as – who cares if they win? Uh, they had 33 people because this is WrestleMania 33 in the ring. Uh, basically, everyone that they didn't have a match for. Uh, Mojo Raleigh won. That's not what bothers me. I actually kind of like Mojo Raleigh. I like his promos that he's had about, you know, re- working really hard to make it. I like his energy. I don't know. His in-ring skills are, you know, that could be better. And it was cool to see Gronk jump in, you know, as a celebrity moment. They obviously lost to Shaquille O'Neal versus Big Show, so that was the makeup cut. Vince always has to have something like that happen. Um, so that's what happened. My whole thing is you have Big Show and, and, and Braun Strowman in this match, and at first they are chucking people out of the ring, both of them, trying to make it to each other. And then they both get eliminated shortly after this. To me especially if this is Big Show's final farewell for uh, WrestleMania, at least. He was going to do a couple more matches, but this is it for WrestleMania for him. Have it said Big Show and Braun are two of the last guys. I mean, it would make sense. Braun, you've been building up this whole entire year. You could have had a Big Show, Braun, Jinder, uh, Sami Zayn, and, and Mojo as, like, the final five and done some of the things that you didn't, have the same progress. I don't know why you didn't put Samoa Joe in this. I mean, you had nothing for him to do. It's not like some of those guys were really that important. Dolph Ziggler looked really good in this match. Um, it was just, it was a, it was a throwaway. I, I don't really care. Sami Zayn got when he got chucked out. I was like, huh, all right, well that's interesting. Chris, how did you feel? I feel like if I ever see fucking Dolph Ziggler hang off the ropes again, like he's Shawn Michaels six times in a match, <laughs> I'm gonna find him and beat the shit out of him myself with, like, a baseball bat or something because he's a really good shoot wrestler. But still, God. I mean, it was fine to do it, like, once, but he did it, like, it was, like, six or seven times I was, like, counting it. I even sent you guys a message, like, during the match. It was terrible. Um, they kept Braun yeah. looking strong. He was eliminated by everyone in the match. So I don't think he looked weak in it. Um, the fact Samoa Joe wasn't there, I kind of knew Sammy was going to get bitch-tossed out just because they didn't really have any reason for him to win. Uh, and, I mean, I think Big Show knew he was going to lose because originally the same guest spot that Gronk took over would have just been Shaq. So I think I think the end result would have still been the same, um, just different. Uh, and, and Gronk showing up, he had a pretty big shoulder block. And, and uh, get Mojo getting the win, and then he led into it on SmackDown. It looks like they're giving him a little bit of push. And I thought he pr- caught a cut a pretty good promo on SmackDown, which we'll talk about later, but overall the match was like, it was like a bunch of fucking goofs in Sami Zayn, Big Show, and, and <laughs> like Braun. And other than that, it was like a bunch of... The whole tag division on SmackDown. The whole, the whole tag division on SmackDown. We have nothing to do 
for the tag division. So we're just going to fucking throw them in here. It's okay if we're not having a match. That doesn't mean the Raw one is more important. My whole thing with... Yeah, with I, I like the way that they displayed Big Show and Braun. I just feel like they put them out too quickly. They could have lasted a little bit longer and had the same exact... Like, everyone's like, all right, we need to get rid of these, these guys. But they seem like they came in and they were out immediately. But I don't know. Juwan, um, how did you like this mess? Well, I mean, no disrespect to Andre the Giant. Rest in peace to him. But I feel as though that match has become a complete and utter joke. Um, we were talking during WrestleMania. I was telling you guys, Money in the Bank shouldn't be a pay-per-view anymore. Um, Money in the Bank should be used strictly for WrestleMania because um, there's just so many great storylines you can build from that. But this match itself, to me, is an extreme joke. Um, there were a thousand different ways you could have further pushed Mojo on, on SmackDown. Um, but it, it just it's become a joke. I mean, Andre Memorial uh, match, you have the big show in, in Braun Strowman, and they get eliminated, and then you have Mojo win in the end. I, I, I don't get it. And the, the worst thing about it is they built up uh, Strowman versus Big Show, and then that's completely fizzled out because now Braun's talking about Roman and, and Brock Lesnar. So I don't even know what the hell that was about. So I, I, I don't know what WWE was trying to do with that angle, but it looks like it completely got uh, changed either within, like, the the last couple of, of nights before WrestleMania or, like, the week before. Which is too bad, because one of my favorite matches, honestly, this year, uh, well, one of the smaller matches was Braun Strowman and the Big Show. They put on a great match together. I'd like to see them down the road go against each other. Hey, uh, we got a caller. I just let you guys know, if you would like to call in and join us, ask a question, just call in at 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join us. And I, I'll add this now from now on because of last week's show. If you press 1 and you're on hold, I, I can see that you did. Uh, usually I wait for the person that's talking to finish talking, and then I get you involved in the conversation. So just to let you know that if you're on hold for a couple seconds, just let the person finish talking, and I promise I'll get you in there. We appreciate all the phone calls. Let's find out who this is, guys. Hey, you're talking with Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Who is this? Well, luckily I'm uh, not new to the show. Well, I'm new to this show, but uh, I'm not new to this uh, this whole thing. So uh, it's Joel, guys. <laughs> What's up, Joel? How's it going, man? Uh, yeah, Joel, we'll keep you on for a while and talk about this stuff, dude. So, did you like WrestleMania? Yeah, it was really uh, better than last year. I'll say that. It definitely was. I watched the last year's. It was not that good. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're gonna we're gonna move on now to the last kickoff show uh, uh, match for the Intercontinental Title between Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin. <sighs> this wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a great match. I thought that, you know, based on the heat and from what Chris is telling me, uh, well, making me realize, if you will, Dean Ambrose was really sloppy in this match. And I'm kind of getting sick of him doing that, fall back into the ropes, fake you out, come back, punch, because he doesn't do it, like, fluid enough for me to take it seriously. And this was even worse. Uh, I thought the guys were both out of it. Um, I know Dean Ambrose ended up defeating Baron Corman. It's just crazy because the next night – no, no, no. Uh, two nights uh, from then, they put on an amazing hardcore wrestling clinic, on, well, at least for SmackDown's, you know, terms. Uh, and just kind of frustrating uh, seeing that happen. I just, it could have been better, but it was on the pre-show. And let me just say that before I pass it to Chris. 
that I think it's kind of ridiculous. I know that they did something for the ladies, and it makes sense. Naomi's from Orlando. I get that. But the Intercontinental Championship, to me, is right underneath the World Heavyweight. Uh, maybe it's because I'm old school. So I kind of find it as a joke that it was on the kickoff show. Whatever. Chris, um, how did you feel about this whole match? If, it felt like a TV match for the title. Um, in all honesty, where both guys weren't going all out. And like I said, well, like I told you in, in chat afterwards, I think they just both got gassed. They were com- completely out of gas at the end of that match. And, um, the finish was okay. I liked, you know, he, re- he reversed out and, and hit Dirty Deeds, and, and that was fine. Um, it was a fine match. As far as it being put down lower on the card, I personally had no problem with it because they need the women to be on the main card. But they were on the lower card for so long on those pre-shows that it just looks like they're going to treat it as a joke if they do that. So I can understand why um, probably Stephanie probably had a lot to do with that getting pushed up. Also, the Internet fans um, were pretty pissed when they found that out that was on the uh, the pre-card. So they didn't want a chance during the middle of the match or anything. And uh, Also, it being Naomi's hometown, it, it kind of makes sense, but... I agree with you, the Intercontinental title. Um, here's a question. The U.S. title wasn't even defended, so if you want to get pissed about something, that would be something to point oh, out. Oh, no, it was. Kevin was Owens it? beat uh, Chris Jericho for it. Oh, that's right. God, you I keep, keep forgetting Chris You keep Jericho on forgetting that, that Chris Jericho has the U.S. title, or he had it at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he won it that's how insignificant it is, week. honestly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, Jawan. Um, it was it was it was frustrating to watch that match, mainly because, as you guys know, uh, when we did the show last week, I told you how much I wanted Baron Corbin to walk out with the title. Uh, so the fact that he didn't, and what I thought was like a, a, a spit in my face from SmackDown, was that they had a regular match, um, you know, that Tuesday, the following Tuesday, and had Baron Corbin win that. I, I it made no sense to me. He should have just won Sunday, and then they had Tuesday be the rematch for the title and have him retain. Um, to me, the match just – it was – there were a couple of botchy matches um, throughout WrestleMania. But that, to me, was it was it was just hard to watch because it just wasn't entertaining at all. Tuesdays was way more entertaining. Uh, but to me, mainly because Baron Corbin won. Yeah, I, I get that. And, Joel, I'm, gonna, I'm about to pass it to you. Just realize, you know, you get the VIP treatment. But if you've got to go at any time, just let me know. We'll keep on the conversation until then. Sound good? How did you feel? Appreciate it. Uh, it, was, it was an okay match. It wasn't – I, I see why it was put where it was put, uh, even though it is – a. to me, like, I agree. I think the Intercontinental title is second to, I guess, the Universal title now. I guess that's the biggest one. I would say that's the biggest one now. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm disappointed because I just think those Corbin and uh, and Ambrose are just they're kind of plain. They're not very. They don't do much. They don't do much for me, you know. And it's it's sad because Ambrose I thought had potential, and he's kind of fizzled out the last year or so. So I, I'll say the match itself was was okay, but those two guys in general kind of just they I'm I'm not really feeling it too much. I think that Baron has a lot of potential going forward. He needs to get better on his mic skills. I wish Dean Ambrose would find it. I don't know. I, I feel like ever since he lost the title, there's been such a decline in him. Uh, I don't know if he doesn't have, like, 
as much enthusiasm because of the fact that he had a, you know, I, I have no idea. But like I said, the one thing that I liked about him this last year is that he really reminded me of Roddy Roddy Piper in certain times. It was definitely the Survivor Series of them all mixing up and going back and forth and him being last and just going up and down the row. And then he punches Chris Jericho in the face. Like, stuff like that I liked, but it seems like now it's, they gave him the Intercontinental title and both him and that title are kind of like secondhand. I don't know. Let's go to the next match because we have more to talk about with Dean Ambrose and Barry Corman later on the show. We had an actual – okay, actually, if you were to tell me that AJ Styles and Shane McMahon put on a more – a better match all around than Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt before this, I would tell you you're fucking crazy. But lo and behold, a traditional match with Shane McMahon, not only did AJ always impress me uh, with how he handled everything and just being just a great all-around worker, but Shane McMahon definitely practiced his ass off. Dude, he had to have fucked up his elbow for that elbow drop because he basically slid over the announce table and right into the ground. Um, When he did the shooting star press, like I was like, what the hell? And then when, or before that, when AJ did the 450 splash off the rope and he caught him in the Hell's Gate, like, Shane O'Mac, probably best match that he's had of all time. He didn't need a crazy high spot because both of them were convincing. Uh, I like the Van Terminator. I like the whole entire match. And AJ Styles won, which was definitely the smart thing to do. Oh, that wraparound DDT that he got on him, too. Like, I'm just thinking about all the match. The match was very memorable is what I'm trying to say. Juwan, do you agree with me on that? Absolutely. Uh, I was extremely impressed. Um, I, I I thought going – to me, every time I see Shane, Shane to me is like Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. There's just like – there's always a gimmick where he's either jumping off something or climbing up something, and it's just like, dude, you could do more than just like uh, an outrageous stunt. There's more to you. And Shane showed in this match that he's more than just a guy who will jump off a hell in the cell cage or – the top of the rafters or whatever. He showed that he can actually get in a ring with somebody as skilled as AJ Styles and put on a great performance. And he did. And I mean, hats off also to AJ Styles. He just makes everyone look and, you know, no pun intended, but he just makes everyone look phenomenal in almost every match that he pulls off. And, you know, he was able to make Shane look amazing and Shane did work his butt off. Uh, contribute to that, but I agree with you. It was possibly, if not the best match of the night, definitely I'd say top two or three. Yeah, it was up there for me too. Uh, Chris, how do you rate this match? How'd you like it? Uh, it was a good match, and there were some pretty neat. I mean, the ref bump happened, which which I predicted last week. I knew that was going to happen just because it, it gives Shane some things that he can do. Um, he did a lot of MMA type moves, like you said. He did a he did a triangle choke. He he hit the Hell's Gate. Um, the one thing that worried me about that match is he was really stiff with his punches. And if you watch SmackDown, you can see it like AJ's eyes all swollen up. He throws like some really bad. Like when he throws a work punch, it looks terrible. So I'm pretty sure AJ Styles was like hit me for real because that looks fucking ridiculous. Like midway through the match. Yeah. And. Uh, the match itself was good. I mean, there's some really good spots in it. And, um, you know, AJ Styles did what AJ Styles does, which is have a good match with pretty much anyone. Um, 
I'll give Shane props because he he uh, he held his own and it, and it didn't no, nothing looked bad like the match didn't like nothing really came off as looking terrible. Um, the Hell's Gate it took him a while to get it cinched in right, but at, other than that one little spot, as far as what they were doing, I thought it was a pretty clean match. Um, other than them just punching the shit out of each other at some point, uh, but yeah, it was a good match. It was probably one of the better matches of the night, in all honesty, and. Uh, to be the match kicking things off is always kind of hard, but I think they did a good job in that spot. I would have loved to have seen AJ Styles do something else, but at this point we're kind of beating a dead horse on that one because we've talked about it for four weeks in a row. So um, I like the direction they went on SmackDown with AJ winning the match and then kind of showing uh, Shane some respect. And uh, it looks like maybe a babyface turn for AJ Styles in the future. So. If that's where they were going with the match, it worked for me completely. And uh, the match itself probably like the, three stars. If it was AJ with anyone else, it could have been four or five stars. That's my only problem with it. I definitely can agree with that, Joel. Uh, I'll say it was surprisingly good. I wasn't very excited for the match, considering uh, I felt they could have gotten someone better for AJ. But, you know, he, they put on a performance. Like you said, it was it was more entertaining than some of the other matches in, uh, in WrestleMania. So, I give props to Shane, because the man is a He's definitely a, a daredevil because he just does shit I, w- I know I would never do, so I'll give him credit for that. So, um, Yeah, it was, an, it was a good match. I'll say it was a good match, and AJ's a true professional, and I hopefully he does turn face at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. And I hope that Shane actually calms the fuck down because he's been scaring me the last couple times. That that elbow that that elbow that he did, and also the spear from Roman Reigns at Survivor Series that almost killed him. Like, yeah. all right, we get it, man. That you got your WrestleMania moment. Maybe you should retire. <laughs> like, I don't want to see Shane McMahon go into convulsions. But all the McMahons, they can take a beating. Like, you know, later on we'll find out about Stephanie's fate. Let's go to the <laughs> next match: the United States Championship. Kevin Owens defeated Chris Jericho with the finger on the rope. With one fucking finger on the rope, that's all I gotta say. I love Kevin Owens. I think he's just great. Him and Jericho were a lot of fun this year. I do think that when it comes to the big feuds, like the big, like really, really, I hate you feuds, that we had Owens versus Jericho, and then we had Triple H and Seth Rollins. And storytelling wise, I think that Rollins and Triple H did a better job, to me at least than Jericho and Owens. This match seemed something that you could definitely see on a smaller pay-per-view. Um, I'm not going to say a Raw, but like a smaller pay-per-view. It was a good match. Um, I just didn't see a lot of, I guess, building off of stuff. I feel like there could have been more spots than just them going back and forth with power bombs. I did like that Owens got him in the uh, Waltz Jericho. That was pretty cool. And the ending with him putting the finger on the rope was amazing. Um one thing I got to say is that I don't understand how a power bomb on the apron is something that that's you know looked upon as as okay than the package pile driver, but whatever I understand if it goes wrong one of them is a hell of a lot more lethal, but overall it just seems ridiculous and I don't want to see Jericho do another one of those, but um, pretty good match, uh, nothing special like I said, but you know it wasn't a bad match. Um, Joan, how'd you feel? I personally, I personally love that match. Um, I love seeing <clears throat> Chris Jericho 
perform in the match. He's another one of those guys like AJ Styles that kind of helps make everyone uh, look a lot better. But it helps when you're dealing with someone like Kevin Owens, who is a, a great in-ring performer on his own. Um, I thought the match was a little underwhelming. Um, I thought the finish could have been a lot better than that. And I agree with you. When when I saw him deliver that powerbomb, I was just like, how the hell is this shit legal? Like, they told Randy Orton he couldn't punt people in the head, but, like, you could slam people on the apron. I, I, that just didn't make any sense to me. Um, but overall, I, I did I did enjoy the match. Chris? Uh, I thought the match suffered from being placed in a bad spot. Uh, mainly because you had Shane hit the, the cross, you know, the cross country fucking dropkick uh, into the chair, and then they they went into the tables, and they the ref took that bump, and then you had a standard match right after it. So you had, you know, they did what they could do. Um, Jericho matches always start out kind of slow, so a lot of the matches is, is a, more of a methodical pace. I personally thought it was an overall better match than the Triple H Seth Rollins match because that was just Triple H working a knee for fucking 15 minutes, which is the way you should work that match if you're wrestling very old school. But they also had table spots, they had interferences, they had a bunch of other gimmicks to help build that match up. And then I thought the Jericho Kevin Owens match, as far as like a wrestling match and telling a story, it gave them something to build off of because I don't think that they're done with that yet. Um, so, you know, Kevin Owens getting the win with one finger on the ropes and then after the code breaker and then hitting the pop-up power bomb on the apron, which is not that hard to take. I mean, it, it's, it's not the safest move in the world, but Kevin Owens has been doing it since NXT. Um, and Jericho obviously really trusts him. So I, I thought it was fine and it, it makes sense because he's trying to end Chris Jericho, um, which they, they built back up on uh, Monday. So I think, you know, they're trying to get Chris. Chris Jericho's got to have a way to exit, and stuff like that makes sense uh, storyline-wise. Uh, Kevin Owens picked up the win, won the title, did what he said he did. It made, made Kevin Owens look like a legitimate threat again in those kind of matches. So uh, overall, I liked the match. I thought it was pretty good. I think it could have been placed somewhere else on the card, maybe right before the taker, like maybe move the SmackDown women's title match down to where that match was and move the Kevin Owens-Jericho match before the taker uh Reigns match, I think the fear there, though, would be that that match would outshine if, if they went out and put, like, a five-star match on. But I don't, I just don't think that's going to happen right now in Jericho's career. He's kind of winding down. He's still really, really good, especially for his age and how long he's been around in the wrestling business. But those, like, Shawn Michaels-type Jer- like Shawn Michaels-Jericho match isn't going to happen again at WrestleMania. So the fear of where they put them on the card I don't think is as necessary as it used to be. No, I can agree with that. Um, how do you feel about it, Joel? I agree totally. I, I didn't even think about it that way until he just started talking about it. But I was a little underwhelmed, and I guess because of uh, how surprisingly good the Shane McMahon and uh, AJ Styles match was. So I was kind of, like, underwhelmed by it. I still thought it was an okay match. The whole finger trick was pretty funny. What a douche. But, um... I don't think I thought overall it was, it was an okay match. It's just a little it's just underwhelming considering what we just finished watching. So that's kind of where I fall there. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. I like I said, it just seemed not very, very mania-ish, especially for the build-up of of the feud between them. But 
maybe I'm just asking right. too much, and maybe it was because it was early on the card. I think that makes a lot of sense, too. Let's move to the Raw Women's Championship, a fatal four-way elimination match. By the way, I did not know this elimination match, which made the match pretty amazing, at least compared to what I thought it was going to be. Uh, we have Bailey winning, which I did not see coming, uh, defeating Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, and Nia Jax. Uh, beginning of the match with the strategy going, hey, why don't we just take on her? It could have been later in the match, and I could have, like, you know, maybe didn't go out first uh, to protect her more, but I still like them teaming up. They were on a faction together in NXT, so they're kind of reminiscent of that. The power bomb was awesome. Uh, you know, just, just good overall, and I liked right after she got defeated – we had Flair who's, who's, like, trying to, like, stay on the same page and, like, you know, put out her hand. They both, like, wouldn't trust her. So she gets out of the ring and she tells them to fight. And it's like, if I were them, I'd be like, screw that and go after her. But, you know, it still worked and build up her ego and her character. That was a beautiful uh, corkscrew moonsault she had off the top ropes that hit both Banks and Bailey at one point. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Sasha was the next to go, and then it was between Charlotte and Bailey and... Bailey won it with what I think should be her new finisher, just do the Macho Man elbow drop, or switch your Bailey to belly and do it off the fucking top ropes if you're really going to do that stupid move. I hate it. My one complaint about this match, though, if you've been telling a story, it would have been smarter for Charlotte to be the champion, and I think most people agree with me, and Bailey to have won it at Mania. It would have meant a hell of a lot more for Charlotte to lose her streak at Mania and her title and Bailey to win it. Um, but they did it the way they did it. Joel, do you see it differently? No, I agree. Um, I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, I'm really impressed by the women's championship in, um, or at least the women wrestlers on Raw. Um, I think they're the best I've seen it in a long time, especially those four. I really, I'm really enjoying uh, that whole Sasha and um, Bailey and Charlotte um, and even um, what's her name, Nia. She's good too. Nia not, Jax. Probably not, as, not yeah, Nia Jax. Not on the same level as the other three, but I still think she's a force, especially when she gets it all together. She's going to be a real big force. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed the match. Um, I, I'm impressed. They impressed the hell out of me. So I, again, I was also surprised that Bailey ended up winning that match. And that's probably for the better. Probably would have been better if Charlotte won it. But overall, I liked the match. It was really good. Chris. I honestly thought it was a good time to turn Sasha heel, and they didn't go that Me route. Too. So maybe they're turning Charlotte face to go against Nia would be my guess, based on what happened on Raw. Uh, the match itself was okay. Uh, the the thing that really that really hurt it is uh, Charlotte's taking the turnbuckle pad off, and someone grabbed her, and that never got fully taken off, and that was in the two finished spots that they had planned. The so both finishes. Mm-hmm. If you were in the live crowd, would have looked like okay, she hit the turnbuckle with her head and she died. <laughs> so um, yeah. we thought when you see it, you see you know she she was trying to take it off, but what it looked like is they stopped her from doing it. They still sold it like it was completely taken off. Um, that might have been something the ref could have helped out with. You know, he could have come over to try to fix it and and maybe saw that someone was cheating and then pulled it the rest of the way off on accident or whatever. But it kind of like ruined the two finish spots because like what they were trying to do at the end is, you know, Charlotte charges in and she hit the exposed turnbuckle, which she exposed 
and then Bailey hits the elbow drop. So it looks like Bailey won the match again, but didn't really beat Charlotte. So that's kind of what they were going for, and it didn't really work because the turnbuckle pad was still on. I agree. And before we get to Juwan, we have a caller, so we're going to take a question. Hey, you are talking with Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Who is this? It's uh, Anthony. How's it going, guys? What's up, Anthony? Hey, man. How's it going? You, you are on a jam-packed show, but uh, what, do you have a question or something that you want to talk about specifically? Not necessarily. I just came in, like, right in the middle of your discussion about the Fatal 4-Way, so I just figured I'd join in the conversation. Well, how did you feel about the Fatal 4-Way? Uh, I actually, you know, oddly enough, I actually didn't get to see the whole match, but I saw the first, um, like, five or so minutes. And, you know, I I really, between the two women's title matches, I was really looking forward to the to the Raw one. And I didn't get to finish it, of course. But, I mean, I, it was still a good match from what I saw. I loved all the players in it. And I thought for what they were building up, I thought it would have been the night that either Charlotte or Nia would have won, but, you know, Bailey retained, which I guess is kind of a good thing because it gives her more of a push, but it would have been a lot more interesting from a personal standpoint to see Nia or Charlotte win the belt. All right, man, one more question uh, before we let you go. Uh, give us like an Undertaker memory since he's uh, no longer going to be wrestling with us. Um... Hmm. It's so that's a weird, weird one for me because there's so many of them. Like, I mean, not, everybody can say the same thing. Um, I think probably one of my biggest or favorite ones was um, the night he abducted Stephanie McMahon when he was Ministry Undertaker, which is like my personal favorite version of the Undertaker. Um, you know, like she's supposed to get in the car to leave the arena or whatever, and he's in the driver's seat, and he says something, like, really creepy, and he drives off, and then they're supposed to sacrifice her the next week on Raw. Like, I think that was probably one of my favorite Undertaker memories just because it showed how evil of a character he was and how, you know, he'll go to any length to do what he wants to do, and I just, I've always loved that about that character. I've always enjoyed that. That was my favorite thing about The Undertaker is that, play any role, and he was basically like the Bowie, well, a gothic Bowie. Well, Bowie was pretty gothic, but it's the Bowie of professional wrestlers, but hey, Anthony, appreciate you calling in, man. Definitely call in uh, when we talk about the other shows, and uh, appreciate it, as always, buddy. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, Jawan, uh, talk about the match. I, um, okay, just it, it, was, it was a good match. It was a good match. Um, I like how they, how they came together to, uh, Pin Nia Jax. I will say overall, I was disappointed um, Sasha or Charlotte didn't win. I I understand, but still, I'm disappointed either one of them didn't win. Mainly because I hate Bailey's finisher. It 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 really 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 sticks me in my side uh, more than it should, but it does bother me a lot. It's just such a stupid special. Um, but no, it honestly it was a really good match. But we said this last week. The females have been putting on. Really, really, really good matches, and uh, it's not a shocker anymore. Uh, it's more, it's more me becoming used to them putting on pretty good matches. Um, but like I said, I wanted Charlotte or Sasha to win it. I can see that. It definitely makes sense. But um, that's the best thing is that the women's division is pretty strong, especially on Raw. 
And uh, Bailey's still champion, but whatever. You know, maybe I'll like her eventually. But let's get to a match that was probably also one of the top contenders for match of the night for me, mainly because of the pop that a certain tag team would receive for both entering and winning this match. But we had the Raw Tag Team Champion. It was uh, supposed to just be a triple threat. Uh, we had Gallows and Anderson come out, uh, who are the champions, Enzo Moore and Cass, and Sheamus and Cesaro. And then before they could start, you had the New Day come out, and then apparently there's a new team involved in their ladder match, and they kind of made it look like it was going to be them. And then all of a sudden, you get the old Attitude Era Hardy Boys music kick in, and Matt and Jeff run out, and people went apeshit. Because now you're at a part in the career where Jeff's always been a favorite. He's always been huge in the group. But now Matt Hardy is just as over, if not more over, with his bro- than his brother with the whole delete and broken Hardy thing. Jeff's playing himself. Matt Hardy's pointing to everyone in the ring. I love that whole thing where they get in the ring and he's like, you, 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 delete, obsolete. Like, it was just great. I don't know how much that he can use from that gimmick, but whatever they pull, I think will be fine. If they're going to adjust it and change names a little bit, I would still keep it up with Matt at least. But this was an awesome match. Went back and forth. Everyone had a moment to shine. Uh, I loved uh, Big Cass uh, helping out Enzo. That was one of the funniest parts. Try to get to the top of the ladder. Um, I remember there was one part where Big Cass kicked the shit out of Jeff Hardy. He looked like he was going to do a springboard on a bunch of people. And then, you know, Big Cass ran up and kicked him in the face. Um, and, of course, the ending with Matt Hardy – uh, grabbing Anderson and doing Twist of Fate off the ladder, climbing it, and while he's climbing it to get the titles, Jeff Hardy puts Cesaro mainly through a friggin' ladder with the Suntown Bomb and also kicking the shit out of uh, Sheamus in the process. I really felt bad for Cesaro for that. I, that looked painful. And now the Hardy Boys, back home, they are the champions. They have won pretty much every tag champion belt within like a two-month time period. Um, did you go crazy, Chris, when this happened? Yes. Delete. Uh, yeah, dude. I, I was hyped. I did predict it last week. They pulled through all my prediction. The craziest prediction of the show last week. But uh, I enjoyed every second of it from New Day selling it like they were going to be in the match all the way up into uh, you know the finish, which was awesome. Uh, the one thing was scary, that poor ladder that Jeff was on was just swaying back and forth, and he didn't even really jump off of it. He just kind of sentoned off of it, which is why he didn't really get Sheamus all that much. But the rest of the match was awesome. I mean, I thought I thought uh, Anderson and Gallows looked pretty good. Um, Big Cass and Enzo had some pretty cool spots with, you know, Enzo just getting thrown around everywhere, like always, because it's really all you can do in the ring. And, uh, you know, Seamus and, uh, Seamus and uh, Cesaro coming out with their new gimmick, both wearing the matching, uh, matching uh, whoa, my God, man skirts. Let's just go with that because it kilts. <laughs> and uh, tuxedos, the breakaway tuxedos, kind of looking more like a tag team. I enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, all around, I thought this was probably the match of the night in, in many ways besides just already showing up. But, uh, it was a good overall match and a great WrestleMania moment that I think people will remember, you know, down the line when they show WrestleMania moments. They'll be like, oh, yeah. And uh, as far as the gimmick goes, I, you know, they can make Matt not say anything for as long as they want, but the crowd is going to make that gimmick live on. And it's like Stone Cold's what at this point. Like, delete will be chanted, and it's going to be chanted loud. 
So eventually I would assume even if they lose the court case and Matt doesn't have complete ownership, there's ways around that shit where WWE can just give Anthem money, you know, so that he can do the gimmick. So there's, there's tons of ways if they want to get involved in court litigation and all that stuff. So I'm not too worried about it, especially with, if you want to go political, Linda McMahon is in Donald Trump's, you know, party, her cabinet. So, you know, Vince McMahon's got more swing than normal when it comes to getting around shit like that. I think that was his plan all along, having her run for office. Uh, but, yeah, they need to, they, they'll adjust it, they'll change it. You probably won't get Senor Benjamin or Reddy. Um, but, you know, I, I expect them to do some stuff, um, do some stuff with that gimmick. Now, it may be that Matt, it may be when Matt's ready to leave because he does have a kid on the way, so his contract may not be as long as Jeff's which could be, you know, his character coming back out and turning on Jeff and then him going away for a while. Um, I think it's really nice WWE is allowing them to keep all of their independent dates for the next month, everything they had planned out, which I thought was pretty cool considering, you know, how they've treated indie people before. Um, I think they get a little more leeway because it's Matt and Jeff, but I thought that was pretty cool too. But the match itself was awesome. Um, Probably the biggest pop of the night, I, I would say hands down. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree with you. And uh, one thing that I think you're the one who mentioned is merchandise, merchandise, merchandise. If Vince McMahon sees an opportunity with the whole delete concept, I mean, just that on a shirt, uh, you know, maybe he will pay for said rights that he has to share or something like that. Uh, Juwan, how did you feel about the match, and are you happy the Hardys are home? Uh, I absolutely freaked out. I mean, uh, phenomenal match. I think once they – that it was going to be a ladder match. You kind of had that feeling like, yeah, these guys could possibly pop up. Um, but when New Day came out and started to walk forward, I was like, oh, God, no. You don't need to be in this match. And the Hardy's music hit. It was just like, oh, thank goodness, you guys. Um, I, I will say uh, the one the one issue I had was I had wished that Sheamus and Cesaro had won the titles and then the Hardys challenged them and won the titles from them down the road. I just want to see Cesaro and Sheamus have a heel turn as as a tag team because um, I'm one of those guys that's not a fan of babyface versus babyface. It just to me that just doesn't ever uh, match well. Um, but yeah, my take from it was I love the match. Jeff Hardy is like Shane; he just loves throwing his body around like he's a rag doll. Um, Jesus. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, those guys are crazy. Um, but great match. I'm glad they're back home. Hopefully it's for good. They'll retire, uh, you know, with the WWE. But, yeah, I do – now that they're going up against Sheamus and Cesaro, I do hope that they take a heel turn and make this rivalry really interesting. Yeah, I could see that. I could still see them acting like heels and still remaining babyface or something like that. Um it's whoever goes over, but I do agree that I don't like seeing baby versus baby generally. Um, Joel. Well, it, it was definitely the highlight of WrestleMania for me because that's the one thing I, I wanted to see going into WrestleMania was them coming out. But the funny thing is, I was as I was watching it, I completely forgot that that's what I wanted. So when the New Day came out, to announce that there was another tag, I'm like, oh, okay. I figured, I just thought it was them. And then they started walking down. I'm like, oh, okay, it is them. And then the music started playing, and I freaked out because I was like, oh, my God, I forgot they were, they might show up. 
which was awesome because I really just wanted to be surprised, and I ended up being surprised. And it was the match was awesome. It was freaky good. Um, I actually enjoyed all all the tag teams involved, uh, even um, Gallows and Anderson, who I, I haven't really been a huge fan of them because uh, they haven't been done they haven't done much for me. I think they're underutilized. <clears throat> but I did. I just it was a really good match. I'm really happy to see them back, and I hope they get that whole legal shit taken care of so we can get the full on treatment of their, their new gimmick. But even then, like you said, I think they, they can always uh, work around it, but I just want to see it full on. And hopefully that's exactly where they go. I didn't mind them winning the title. I wasn't sure. For sure I wasn't completely sure that was going to happen. Um, but I, I was happy that it did. And then, then they got, of course, defended it the next night. So um, I'm really happy to see them back. I mean, I was probably the most excited I've, uh, I've been at a, at a at a surprise during a wrestling event in a while, so um, I give it. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely a WrestleMania moment. That's all I have to say, and I can't wait to see what they do forward. Um, I hope they get further than the Dudleys did for their WWE run, but I think that's what the Dudleys want to do, and I think that the Hardys are so over both of them now that people want to yep. see them and matches with everything. So we'll see going forward. This next match, I have really not that much to say. Uh, John Cena and Nikki Bella defeated The Miz and Maurice. Okay, I'll just break this down real quick. Why would you have Big Heel, you know, not doing anything really like heel-like, but like dominating over fucking Cena, majority of the match, and then you switch the match and do the exact same thing you've done the last two SmackDowns with Cena and Nikki Bella. I thought that match sucked. Uh, they could have done a lot more with it, especially just with between Miz and John Cena. Definitely could have told a better story. It was all for the marriage proposal, which I'm happy for them. And, you know, I actually love John Cena. I think he's amazing in the ring, and I always enjoy watching him. And everyone who doesn't like him can suck it to me. But um, that's how it is. Uh, I thought this match sucked. Uh, Chris. Uh, it was just hilarious how fucking over Miz was with that crowd, as opposed to getting heel. That was heat, pretty funny. Trying, trying his best to be a heel, and he's just beating the shit out of John Cena. And, he, and John, John, you know, John calls the shit in the ring. So that match wasn't planned out. Like the finish was probably planned, but John was like, "Yo, like really lay it into me. Let's get you some heel heat." But that shit just was not happening. Like people wanted to see Miz beat John Cena, even though they knew it wasn't going to happen. They, they still wanted to see it, especially that live crowd. Um, I honestly thought they could have just had Nikki beat Maurice and then set something up down the road for, for Miz and Cena when Cena comes back. Um, so having them both with the double pin, which doesn't even – I hate double pins in tag matches because only one fucking person's legal, even if it's a intergender <laughs> match. So, like, I fucking hate that shit, especially when the ref does the dumbass thing where he counts with two hands. You know, so, like, I, I, the finish was, it is what it was. Those fucking, that match was not great. Miz looked good in it. Other than that, it, was, it wasn't even what I would consider a good John Cena, like, TV match, like a four-minute John Cena match. Man. So, it was, it was uh, I don't know if John Cena started celebrating early or <laughs> what, but, um, you know, John Cena told a cute little story, and the, the proposal happened, which we all kind of knew from the past, like, month going in, and the story was fun, and, you know, they got engaged, and that was a nice little WrestleMania moment, but other than that, the match itself was was uh, 
not great. And uh, hopefully when Cena does come back, they'll, they'll build upon the groundwork Miz laid, which I think they will because of what they did on SmackDown, um, which just still made Miz look like a baby face. So I, I don't know what they're, what they're doing with him right now. But, yeah, that's where I stand with that match. Yep, uh, Juwan. Oh, man, I was hoping that this nap would last me through this topic. Um, honestly, the the best way they could have done this match to where it could have been even remotely watchable, just have it John Cena versus The Miz and have Maurice and, yes. and Nikki Bella just be kind of like the managers. Um, and Nikki still could have had her WrestleMania moment where, you know, her and John Cena are in the ring together and they both use their finishers and Cena just pins The Miz and she still has her WrestleMania moment. It was the stupidest thing to have a mixed tag team match, especially with Maurice, who has not wrestled in, I want to say, at least four years. She has not actually wrestled. It was painful to see them those two go back and forth. It would have been way more entertaining just having it. Cena versus The Miz with the two ladies as their as their managers. And just let Miz and John Cena put on a phenomenal match at WrestleMania. And um, John Cena still could have done the, the whole proposal and stuff that he did. But I, I agree with Chris. The, the, the mixed tag team matches, I despise them so much. Um, but, yeah, that, that was the way they could have done it to where it, was, it would have been more entertaining for us to have to sit through that match. Yeah, I would rather take an ice pick and poke myself in the fucking eye than watch that match again. Um, Joel, how did you like it? Yeah, it was predictable. I mean, everything happened exactly like I expected it to happen, even the proposal. So I'm like, it was whatever. I was comfortable <laughs> and it was, it was uh, whatever. I didn't really have much to expect from it. I thought what Miz has been doing with Maurice has been funny, like how they've been making fun of him. That That's been classic so far, but... Um, the match itself was kind of whatever. It's like just I wanted it to just finish, and it did. And luckily, and it took like another ten, fifteen minutes just to propose. So whatever, that all happened. It was alright. All right. Yeah, that was everyone. Let's talk about the next match. One of my favorite matches of the night. Um, and I understand why people. I've, I've heard them say similar things to I. I think you were alluding to earlier, Chris. But Seth Rollins defeated Triple H, and basically it was. 25 minutes of Triple H working on Seth Rollins' knee, and Seth Rollins. My biggest thing that I will say about this match, though, when when you're when you're building this, why is Seth Rollins getting on the top ropes and still trying to do crazy shit if he knows that he shouldn't try to like you know do other things outside of that? But other than that, it was a fun match. They kept on going back and forth. That DDT on the friggin' announce table was just brutal. Uh, the super kick into Stephanie McMahon through the table that was pretty awesome. I thought the entrances were really cool. I want to ride a motorcycle and have Stephanie on the back and have cops in the ring. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he did his thing, and uh, I thought it was a fun match. And the game, uh, you know, put over the uh, – you know, I, I realized, I mean, it makes sense, but Triple H put over Seth Rollins, Chris Jericho put over KO, uh, Undertaker obviously put over uh, Roman Reigns. You know, that's, that's that's what the vets do. That's what they're supposed to do. Uh, Chris, how did you like this match? Oh, wow. Um, man. 
that motorcycle entrance. It was, like, it was like a tricycle. I, I hope Undertaker made fun of him. I really hope Undertaker made fun of him. He's like, he oh. couldn't ride a legit <laughs> down to the ring. Like, fucking seriously? What is this? Um, I half expected them to have, like, Metallica fly in on a helicopter and fucking play that song that they've been jamming for WrestleMania and then, like, Triple H jump out and turn into a Transformer or something because it's Triple H entrance. So that was sad, this entrance live. I love that. But, uh, that the, match itself, the match itself was fine. Uh, it was unsanctioned, which when they said unsanctioned, they didn't say, okay, this is an unsanctioned match, which means, like, anything goes. They, they didn't say it wasn't going to have any fucking rules. They probably should have explained that better. Um, I kind of assumed that was how it was going to go. Um, there were some good spots in the match. I mean, you, you got to see uh, it was mostly Triple H working the knee and then both of them trying to give each other the pedigree for, like, forever. So those were your primary spots. But it also had, the like, to me, like, the biggest sin of all time. Like, Seth Rollins is the one who pulls out the sledgehammer, and instead of, like, hitting Triple H with it, while it was in his hand, he shoved it over towards him, which to me was, like, yeah. fucking retarded. Like... I, I thought that was dumb. Um, the spot with the DDT, I think the table was supposed to break there, and it just didn't. They had a Randy Orton moment, so it just ended up being like a really, really fucking hard DDT. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, sucks for both of them. Um, and the finish was fine. I mean, it, they, it it kept Triple H looking like looking strong. You know, he stopped doing what he was doing to check on Stephanie, and then he got hit with a finisher. So it, it was fine. I don't know where they're gonna go. From there, um, with Seth, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, the match itself was good. It was one of the better matches at WrestleMania. But, obviously, there were some things about it I didn't like. And Triple H, it, he's so good. At, he's such a great wrestler. And he knows that old-school mentality of, like, working the leg and, you know, really building that. And he did, but the crowd just wasn't into it. Like, there was just so many holds and, and just him kneeing the leg repeatedly. Um, and that's why Seth was doing these big moves to try to keep the crowd into it. Um, Terry Funk said a long time ago, he's like, if you try it two or three times, it's not working, maybe switch it up. And Triple H is someone that calls it in the ring, so I was kind of hoping that they would have done more than what they did. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where the match fell for me. I, th- I thought it was good. It was good to see Seth go over in it, and they're not continuing that down the road, hopefully. But only time will tell. Jawad. I um I I enjoyed the match. I thought the match was pretty good. I, I will say um Seth doing all those off the top rope uh things with the with the knee injury. I was thinking that he was, you know, risking it all because after WrestleMania, he'd go away um, you know, and and let the let the leg or the the knee heal and then make a triumphant return. Um but I guess since he didn't, they're going to keep pushing this Seth Rollins Samoa Joe rivalry. Um, which I think is pretty dope, and I hope they kind of push Finn Balor versus KO for the title. Um, but the, the match was good. Uh, I'd say the the best part of the match for me is when Chris is like, uh, watch Triple H spin forever on this entrance. And I was just like, he does always spin forever on his entrances. Um, it wasn't that, it wasn't the best entrance that he's had. Uh, wasn't the most creative, 
But um, overall, it was a pretty good match. Um, Triple H did need to work it a lot better. He, I agree with Chris. He was not getting over with the fans, uh, which in result, Seth Rollins had to pull every trick out of the book that he possibly could um, to keep you know the momentum flowing. But it was still a pretty decent match. Yeah, I agree. One, one of my favorite parts is when Triple H was randomly going to do a pedigree off the top ropes. It's like, bro, have you even done that? I thought, like, China did that once to Chris Jericho, and that was about it. Uh, anyways, uh, Joel, how did you feel about this match? Yeah, it was okay. I mean, I'm not a huge Seth Rollins fan. I'm not – I don't know. He doesn't really doesn't do it for me. His music's kind of plain to me. It's, it's, I don't even know. He has a whole bunch of nicknames, but that, nothing really fits. Um, you watch your damn know. mouth, Joel. I'm just telling you, Seth Rollins just doesn't do it for me. I think the highlight of the match was, like, Triple H's entrance. That's sad. But that's just how it was for me. <laughs> God damn it, Joe. Uh, you watch your mouth. You don't talk about Seth you guys, Rollins. You like guys that. had to have a wrestling match in uh, Seth Rollins' honor, uh, Joel, you and him. We'll videotape <laughs> it and put it on YouTube. It'll be great. But, uh, hey, I'm Joel, for thanks it. for calling in, man. No problem, man. Anytime. Definitely call in again. Hey, Dane. Right? Hey, Dane, What's when up, they have Chris? that wrestling match... Can we get the referee from the John Cena match so he can do the double count? Not realizing <laughs> yeah. what the fuck's going on in the WWE rulebook. Absolutely, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's okay. That's how we'll do it. All right, let's let's fuck. keep on going. Jesus Christ, this is just going down the tubes. Anyways, no, no, no. All right, speaking about down the tubes, my least favorite match of the night because it had so much potential to be a fucking good match. And I'm just gonna throw two scenario. I'm, I'm gonna throw one scenario out of how they could have done this way better, made it more effective, made it actually scary than, ooh, bugs! Um, I get what it is. It's like a whole entire signal to Sister Abigail. But during the Randy Orton, when he defeated Bray Wyatt uh, to win the championship, they had these projections because they had LED all the way up the ramp, all on the entrance and all on the the, uh, stage itself and actually on the ring. So if you have this option... And you see Seth Rollins come out with this giant friggin' torch and then him, like, set the whole entire thing on fire. And you have all these explosions happening throughout the night. Why not use that to your advantage with Bray Wyatt instead of just having the fucking screen have grubs on the goddamn ground? And why was the ref so scared of it? It was obviously a projection. I mean, I guess he's just playing along with it. This, this match had so many fucking issues. I would have loved him just hit it black, turn it on, and Bray Wyatt just puts his hands up, and all of a sudden you have explosions on the stage like above it, and then fire and also that whole entire image go throughout the whole entire ring real quick. Second one, maybe. You could have one where similar things happen in between but shorter and had lights go on, Bray Wyatt's in front of them, and they kind of coordinate it so he keeps on, like, coming behind him, lights come on, he punches Randy. You know, you can do this type of stuff. And then Randy, since he's inherited parts of Sister Abigail, you have the snakes come down the whole entire thing, lights go off, and he's all of a sudden in midair, with the RKO as soon as it kicks on. Yeah, you would have to go over everything. It would probably put a little more time onto it, but that looks so ineffective and just dumb, and I just hated it. I just thought it was really like, really? This is it? Like, I don't mind Wharton winning, really. I mean, I really like Bray Wyatt. I just thought it was a weak match with two good wrestlers involved. I'm WrestleMania. How'd you feel, Juwan? I'm sorry I rambled so much. Juwan? All right, uh, Chris, how did you feel about it? That match was the drizzling shits, dude. That was fucking one of the worst wrestling matches I've watched in the past, like, six months. It was fucking terrible. Probably worse than the, the intergender tag match for me. 
Just because that match had potential, at least going into the John Cena match, I already knew what it was. Like, if you're going to do something like that, just do, like, ring explosions, like Kane or something. I Like, I, I don't... You know, what made The Undertaker so great is he didn't have to do shit like that to get his character over. So <laughs> you get this vast contrast of someone, like, he didn't have to really use LEDs to scare them. Like, who the fuck is that going to scare? It's like, oh, the floor lit up. That's terrifying. And then also, it buried the storyline they did on SmackDown, where fucking Randy Orton went back to Sister Abigail's house and put the crux in the ground to take all of Bray Wyatt's powers. So in theory, Bray Wyatt shouldn't have had any powers. So it just went against their storyline. And the match itself, like, I think Bray Wyatt basically no-sold an RKO outside of the ring and then came back in, and he's doing all this scary stuff, and then he just, like, Randy Orton doesn't sell it and just fucking RKO's him. It's like the whole match was just terrible to me. Like, awful. Those guys could have had such a better match. I, I, the fact that Randy would agree to that and know that, I know he knows that was a bad match if he watched it again, but that was not a good fucking match. That was the worst match of the night. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. That was fucking terrible. Just because of the two people I had it and could have done. I like the fucking Goldberg-Brock Lesnar match more than this fucking match. Juwan, uh, sorry about putting you on hold. I didn't realize I did that, but how did you feel about this whole entire shit show? It's okay. It, it took me a while before you said something. I'm sitting there running my mouth, and then you're like, all right, serious. I was like, oh, whoa, what the hell? Uh, but no. Uh, I completely agree with both of you. Um, it was it was boring. It was definitely uh, a really bad uh, match. I didn't understand the uh, the creatures being projected on the ring. I didn't understand who that was for. Like, what what was that supposed to do? Um, I didn't know if it was supposed to scare like kids or Randy Orton. I, I'm not sure. And I'm also really pissed that Randy Orton walked out with the title. Um, Bray Wyatt works his ass off, and he's such a great talent. And for him to get the title and then just have it taken from him by Randy Orton of all people, it's just I I I can't ever be okay with that. But um, but yeah, like I said, I definitely agree with you guys. It might I don't think anything's worse than that Cena bullcrap that we had to we had to suffer through. But as, as far as wrestling, yeah, that was that was prob- probably the worst match of the night. The mixed gender, I think, was the worst, but this was the most disappointing. I'll just put it that way. It's like my parents, and they tell me I'm disappointing. It's worse than being the worst. It really is. But let's go to an, let's go to a uh, you know world championship match, the Universal Championship, uh, actually, um, that was more entertaining, in, in my opinion, than that one. But Brock Lesnar defeated Bill Goldberg via pinfall to win the Universal Championship. Uh, lots of spears. It was basically at first it was who could spear who or who could suplex who. And I believe Lesnar got the 10 suplex on Goldberg. They both looked really good going into it. Right off the bat, great sequence of Brock Lesnar grabbing Goldberg, pointing through three suplexes, and then like a split second out of nowhere, you see Goldberg just in the bottom of the camera just spearing the shit out of him. And you're like, whoa, what the fuck happened? Uh, he got the jackhammer. Uh, on him, he, oh, yeah, actually, never mind, Goldberg uh, took Brock Lesnar through a barricade, uh, just a fun match back and forth, you have uh, Goldberg losing the, the title to Brock Lesnar, I have to say that if this is Goldberg's last match, even though I have said what I said about Goldberg, I wish that they would have had the speech that he said, kind of saluting everyone on Raw, 
live than, you know, you having to watch it off the network, but whatever. Like I said, it's a fun match for me. Uh, Chris, how did you feel? It was a really good match, man. Uh, honestly, they did way more than I thought they were going to do. Uh, Spear through the uh, barricade was brutal because he hit him with so much force, and both those dudes are so big. They, like, broke parts that it shouldn't have broke. <laughs> there was, like, yeah. metal shit hanging out. Um, and, you know, it kind of sold that, you know, Goldberg still had a chance to win there at the end. And Paul did this great thing as a manager where he's like, Brock, he's setting up for the spear. <laughs> yeah. Which is fucking great. He thought he could have told him the first four times he was going for the spear or whatever, but he uh, he kicked out of the jackhammer. That was cool. He leapfrogged the spear, took that bitch to Suplex City and got the win, which is all we really cared about. So at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Brock. Hopefully Brock is Braun. And uh, the match was way better than expected. So I really have nothing negative to say about it uh, other than fuck Gil Goldberg. He blocked me on Twitter and fuck him. <laughs> he still can't spell. And I'll tell it to fucking face. Fuck you, Bill Bill Goldberg. Goldberg uh, Chris, Chris does not probably the best decisions of Wrestle Geek Alliance. Just to let you know if you want to have an interview with us. Chris doesn't have anything to do with it. Anyways, um, Juwan, how did you like this Universal Championship match? Um, th- I'd say this match to me, I could care less about this match than I did the Cena one. Um, it, it's two guys who are never on Raw, who never actually wrestle a match on Raw. They're strictly pay-per-view guys. So it was just like whoever won, I was just going to hate them winning anyway. Um, the idea of Brock versus Braun uh, uh, angers me even more than Brock versus Goldberg, honestly. Um, but th- the match was uh, Really, it was a thou- I thought it was a thousand times better than their first one. Uh, more entertaining, actually. Um, it, it was good. Goldberg putting Brock through the the barricade was actually. Now hearing Chris say that, it was more crazy. Now hearing that, um, but it, it, it was good. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad Goldberg seems to be done. Hopefully, he is. Um, but yeah, I could care less about that match. All right, fair enough. Let's go to the second to last match, uh, one that I just, I really honestly have no memories of this. The reason why is because there were so many fucking people in it that I couldn't keep up with shit. But uh, Naomi, which is all that really matters, you're extremely beautiful, by the way, Naomi. Um, she defeated all the other bitches in the, uh, I shouldn't say bitches, all the other girls in the SmackDown division. Um, Chris, how did you feel about this match? Uh, I felt like some of the other stuff went wrong and they kind of had to rush through it. But, yeah, Naomi winning and introducing a new submission hold adds a little bit to her character. And, um, yeah, I thought it was great. I, I, I enjoyed her winning the title in her hometown. I didn't think it was going to happen. I really did think that somehow Mickey James was going to pull off the win when we did the predictions. But it was nice seeing Naomi get the nod for the title. And hopefully she has a good run. Um, because, in all honesty, she's probably the best female wrestler on SmackDown right now. Maybe her and... and uh, Becky Lynch. Mickey James is just older, so she can't do as much as she, she used to. She still looks damn good, and she knows how to sell and, and have a good match, but um, as far as, like, just raw talent, Naomi may be the best. And now that she's introducing some lucha moves, I, I really appreciate that. I think it's pretty great. Juwan, how do you feel? 
Um, yeah, God, God, I agree with you, Dane. I, I don't remember much of this match. I just remember. Um, I, I went cross-eyed because of that booty, that glow-in-the-dark booty. Well, yeah, and it also somewhat almost gave me epilepsy. But, yeah, sure, um, glad Naomi won in her hometown. Uh, I think she spent, like, 20 minutes dancing her way to the stage and then dancing in the ring so much that it got uncomfortable because it's like, all right, the ref's trying to start that match, but you keep dancing. I, I'm not mad at it. It, it was great to watch. Um, but I remember we were all talking. We were like, it, it seemed like time was running out, and there were, like, so many more matches to go. And it was just like, what the hell? Just hurry up and get this match over with so we can see Undertaker. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess it was good that she won in her hometown. That was the best thing out of it. But I told you last Wednesday my heart was with Becky Lynch, and I still feel as though Becky Lynch should have the title. Yeah, she had a short-lived reign, but, uh, you know, I'm sure Becky will the, – the last kicker will get it soon. All right, let's go to the big match, guys, uh, the big match of the night. Uh, this is a badass match, especially for Undertaker's last match. There was one unfortunate event uh, based on weight that happened later on, but um, Roman Reigns defeated the Undertaker, and it, it you know, is pretty – I, th- I think it's 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 not confirmed, but we know this is his last match from the actions he did right at the end of the match. But, um, man, right as this match starts, Undertaker starts hitting Roman and just knocks him a couple times. And I'm like, oh, okay, Undertaker's not fucking around in his last match. Um, Reigns needed five spears, I counted. I rewatched it today. And that was one including the uh, one through the Spanish announce table, which was brutal. I think that first table, which he tried to chokeslam him through, once again did not work out. Uh, but that that one through a table, I was like, man, Undertaker just took a huge bump. Uh, just back and forth. I love seeing Jim Ross come out and be able to, you know, uh, tell the story, if you will. Michael Cole, the next time Ross is talking, shut the fuck up. I don't care if you're the lead normally. Uh, this is Jim Ross, and he was, and he's better than you. Um I also was kind of irked that he, he mentioned a comment to him, like, you've had a rough couple of weeks. His wife died, you jackass. I mean, you can definitely state it a little better than that if you're going to bring it up. Whatever. Maybe I'm just being sensitive for JR, but, you know, buy his barbecue sauce. And it's really good. Anyways, uh, but, uh, yeah, it took at least eight Superman punches. That last spear of him getting the momentum really looked effective. You know, just the back and forth, the fact that Undertaker wouldn't stay down. It was a good last match. And everyone that's bitching about Roman Reigns that does not understand stuff fucking work. Undertaker picked Roman Reigns. Would I have liked to have seen someone else against Undertaker for this last match? Yeah, probably. But if he wanted him to be like that, from what I hear, when it comes to the, the, the concept of being a, a in-the-back guy, Undertaker likes Roman for those qualities. Yeah, a lot of people have respect for Roman, even though the audience doesn't like him. And as far as a wrestler, he has really boring – he needs he needs something. I would like to see him do the last ride, maybe as an homage if he stays babyface or as a fuck you to The Undertaker if he goes heel. Either way, you know, something else besides Spear and the Superman punch. But just this is how it was. He wasn't going to win. What, what you saw in front of you and The Undertaker, he, that meant it was, it was going to be his last match. It didn't happen out of nowhere. This is his decision. So I think that people need to quit giving Roman so much heat. But it did work for Monday Night Raw, in which how much heat he received from everyone. 
and maybe a positive way if they make him go heel. If they don't, they're fucking stupid. Chris, go for it. Well, the match itself was re- it was really good. It was better than expected for me. Um, you know, under, I think Undertaker did what he could do, and, and Roman did a good job of, of carrying it, both by selling the shit out of a lot of Undertaker's oh, moves. Oh. As, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I forgot the botch move I was talking about earlier was the attempt of trying to do the tombstone, but he couldn't get him up. And I kind of wish that at least Undertaker would have made it look like he, he fought out of it, but shit happens. Uh, and I'm glad that JBL kind of saved it with uh, some commentating right after that. Sorry for cutting you off. I just I've remembered that. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, and the commentary, I mean, JR shines on commentary anytime he's doing anything. Just watch any of the New Japan stuff where he goes back and does commentating. Yep. And he's still fucking great. Um, the match, I mean, it. I wish it would have had more build. I know that they didn't know what they were going to do going into Royal Rumble because I think they may have wanted to put Finn there, and uh, that didn't happen. So Roman Reigns was a good choice. He's big. It makes sense. They call him the big dog. And and they built the storyline okay, and, and Roman's definitely going to get eat for a while after beating The Undertaker. I mean, there's not there's not really a way around that. It's not a happy moment seeing The Undertaker retire, and he's going to be associated with that for his entire career, for, for better or worse. Um, but the match itself I thought was, was pretty good, especially considering, you know, Undertaker needs a hip replacement surgery, and he's he's old. I mean, he's old, and, you know, it was, it was a good yeah. match. It's not – I wouldn't put that up there as one of the best Undertaker WrestleMania matches, but it's better than a lot he has. I mean, it's way better than when he wrestled Giant Gonzalez by miles. <laughs> so, um, you know, or that big boss man match he had. So I, there's, you know, in the lineage of things and how it worked out, it, it made sense. And they did the Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair spot, of which he just wanted Undertaker to stay down and he wouldn't. And uh, Undertaker couldn't sit back up, which was like the, fir- the first time I think I've ever seen him sell that way, where he just could not bring himself to sit straight back up in the zombie pose, which was, it was an interesting choice by Undertaker. We didn't get all of our favorite moves for good reason. Like, he didn't get the, uh, the top rope walk, and he didn't get a suicide dive from The Undertaker, and he didn't, he didn't get the crazy taker spots that you normally do, but there's reason for that. I mean, he, he's on his way out. So I thought it was a good match. I thought they, they worked the outside of the ring well, and um, everything in the inside of the ring was, was pretty damn good. I do kind of wish Roman would have done some different move set, but he was, I think he was just being as careful as he could. Like he didn't do his, uh, he didn't do a sit out power bomb, which I think he normally does. No, he's going to work on right. that. And it, it, it'll get a little better. Um, it would be cool if he did something like the last ride or if he actually, instead of doing a sit out razor's edge, he actually did a razor's edge. Um, so there's things that he could add to his repertoire. Maybe even as Omaz learn to walk that top rope and drop the arm down if Undertaker will let him have it. But uh, the main thing about Roman right now is the amount of heat he has. If they m- turn him heel, it makes sense. People are going to boo him anyways, so you might as well make him the fucking bad guy so he can do terrible-ass shit to people. So we'll see what happens. And sadly, if he was the bad guy, people would probably start cheering for him because that's, that's how we have it now. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, um, heat from the audience. Like, he's going to get that for beating The Undertaker. It's the key bangers on Twitter, man, they're fucking crazy. It's like threatening his life and shit. It's like, you guys are idiots. But uh, what are you going to do? That's, that's the fucking Internet. Uh, Juwan, how would you feel about this match? 
Um, <clears throat> definitely not one of his uh his his best ones. I actually counted uh three three or four botches. Um, he also had a botch with the uh, Undertaker trying to do the last ride on on Roman Reigns, but couldn't actually get him up. Um, yeah, also, when, also when he did the uh, his patent uh, submission move, where he couldn't get Roman Reigns' head, so he it turned into like some type of modified arm lock. Um, and then yeah, like you said, the tombstone. So it was it was hard it was hard to watch because you know. Uh, you know, Undertaker's age and stuff went to, went into a lot of um, why the match looked just like, oh my goodness. Um, you know, uh, I, I didn't have a problem with it being Roman Reigns who's his opponent, or even Roman Reigns winning. I, I stopped worrying about if Undertaker lost after he lost to Brock Lesnar. The, the whole streak meant nothing to me anymore. After, for some reason, they let Brock Lesnar defeat him. Um, I thought Roman Reigns giving him his first loss and then retiring him would have went over a lot more. Um, but, you know, they they did what they wanted to do. And as long as Undertaker was fine with it, uh, I, I'm fine with it. But uh, I did want to say, Chris, you were talking about um, how it wasn't, you know, maybe not one of his best but better than others. I don't think this match is better than the one uh, with Undertaker and Batista for the title. I thought that match was better. Um, but yeah, that that's just my take. Uh, it's definitely sad to see him go, but I'm glad he's going on his own terms. Um, and it was also really nice to see Michelle McCool again. I love Michelle McCool. Yeah, it's just like I said, it's a crazy moment. And uh, I remember I, I I don't remember what website it was reading, but apparently the I was confused. Basically, Finn Balor was supposed to be 30, but that didn't mean that Roman wasn't supposed to be in there to start an interaction with Undertaker. Uh, apparently, that whole entire thing from WrestleMania, that had been made a while back, and Finn Balor was just supposed to be the 30th person. So that might have made sense towards it. But uh, what I'm just trying to say is if Undertaker chooses Roman Reigns to take him out, that's, that's how it is. And the ending where, you know, he put on his outfit, kind of Mr. Rogers it, but, you know, and then takes it all off and puts it in the middle of the ring. Just a, a very, very beautiful moment and uh, crazy to see that The Undertaker is done. But that is WrestleMania, guys. That We did it. Uh, took us a hell of a lot longer than I thought it would, but, I mean, this is WrestleMania. What do you expect? Uh, remember, we're going to keep on talking. We're going to talk a little bit about Raw and SmackDown and our predictions on the shakeup that's coming next week. But if you guys would like to ask a question, just call 929-477-3781. And press 1 to ask a question, and we'll get you on here. That'll be great. All right, guys. Obviously, we're going to do this a little bit faster um, so we can go through. I'm just going to basically go through the big ones or the big things that happen. Uh, at the start, I mean, this kind of coincides with everything. My Lord, you could come the, the the tension with the knife. Uh, you saw that amazing package of The Undertaker, followed by audience cheering, and then in sequence, coincidentally saying, Oh, they weren't saying, fuck you, Roman Reigns, at first. They were saying, uh, screw you, Roman, or whatever. And then Roman Reigns comes out, and then they start going, fuck you, Roman, leave, blah, 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 blah. He gets to the the, the, the the stage, if you will, and keeps on trying to go for the mic and is smiling at everyone. Very heelish. Uh, some of the things he did with The Undertaker was very heelish, too. Him hitting him with the, uh, the chair. Uh, there was a part where he ran outside in the match, and made Undertaker go after him and then ran right back inside and came after him. It's very heelish. 
I'm very much hoping they're going for this. Just go with it. It will work better for him, uh, and he wants to. But uh, just, just getting back into it, finally says, this is my yard now, drops the mic, gets the fuck out of there. Probably the most badass thing Roman Reigns has done, period. Uh, Juwan, how did you like it? Um, I, 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 I thought it could have been a lot better. Um, I thought he should have said more, but that crowd was vicious. Um, but the night after WrestleMania, you always expect the crowd to be uh, not vicious, but definitely insane. But I thought I thought there should have been more dialogue. Chris, uh, I, lo- I, lo- I love the after promo. I thought it was I thought it was pretty great. He soaked it all in, let them shit on him all they wanted. But <laughs> the truth's the truth. You're it's his yard now. Undertaker's gone. So. If he's going heel, it made sense to cut that promo because that's the only way you could really take that. <laughs> Basically, like, yeah, you guys are cheering for Undertaker, but uh, yeah, I'd be him. So, good night, bye. And then you didn't really see yeah. you didn't see him the rest of the show. So, nope. I thought it was a it was a good moment. I think there was he probably had more to say, and then uh, just dialed it back and went with that. And I think that was more like less is more in that situation because that crowd takes over Raw no matter what. And in this way, at least he was able to throw it back at him a little bit, um, which I think did piss him off. They sounded pretty that, – that crowd was fucking bloodthirsty the first 10, 15 minutes of Raw. Yep. And not only that, they kind of start saying delete, delete, which leads into this next match. I'm just going to go over this stuff, uh, these two matches uh, that came up, and you guys can talk about what you want from it. But uh, the Hardy Boys came out. They defeated the club. I have not seen an interview with – the Hardys, like, I want to know if Matt is still incorporating his weird, you know, uh, style uh, while talking. I, I don't know what they can get away with, basically, but it was great to see them. They defeated the club. I love Gallows and Anderson. I wish they would let them be more charismatic. Um, but, yeah, Matt Hardy hit the twist of faith, and then Jeff Hardy hit the swanton bomb. Pinfall, it's done. Afterwards, Neville came out. He started boasting about his victory at WrestleMania. He's interrupted by Mustafa Ali. He beats him in the ring with the rings of Saturn. He was so pissed off by Beach Ball Mania, and you could tell that, I don't know if it was, it was, it was supposed to do this beforehand, but there's a part where he's about to go for the red arrow, and he looks at everyone like they're not worthy and just does the rings of Saturn to win the match. Um, how did you like both those matches, uh, Juwan? I actually really, actually really enjoyed um, the Hardys match. Um, but just so you know, I did see a little bit of the interview um, after after Raw with I think Renee Young um, and uh, Jerry Lawler. I think is who it was, and Matt didn't really have that gimmick. Uh, he was sounding like the old Matt from before. But uh, the tag match was great. I'm glad they retained. And I told I was saying before I, I love anything with Neville. Um, he's just a really good heel. I agree, Chris. Uh, I thought the Hardys match was a pretty good TV tag match, and, um, and you know just further cements them as being like one of one of if not well one of I would say one of the greatest tag teams of all time. It was it was a good match, typical Jeff Hardy Matt Hardy match. I did like the Jeff at the spot where he uh, pulled the ring stairs out to hit Whisper because Matt was outside selling, so he still hit Whisper in the yeah. wind, which was kind of cool. There's some neat spots in it, and uh, you know the twist of fate. Sinton Bomb is always a great finish. I think it's a crowd pleaser. And um, yeah, that was good. And then Neville just totally shitting on that crowd as a heel was awesome. 
Like he he could have went a million different ways or got shook by that, but they still had a good match, and, and uh, he's slowly becoming one of the best heels in WWE. Um, especially his in-ring work. Like, uh, his mic work is pretty good, too, but his in-ring, the way he portrays himself in-ring is, is very old school, and I really appreciate it. No, I agree with you. All right, so then we have, oh, is someone here? It's Vince McMahon. Not Mr. McMahon, just Vince. Uh, I, I love him coming out, and he starts talking nice about the audience, and he starts talking about tragedies from the night before, and you think he's going to The Undertaker, no, it's definitely going through a table. And then he starts saying, like, you're monsters! And all this other crap. Basically, he's there to let us know. And we'll be talking about the Superstar Shake-Up after we get through this. promise you guys, we'll get it in. Um, but basically, they're going to have some type of shake-up with Superstars. I don't know if it's a draft. I think they might just be exchanging, adding some people to the roster. You know, we have Shelton Benjamin. We have plenty of guys in NXT. Who knows exactly what's going to happen um, soon. But anyways, so... He also goes to say that we got – this is a funny asset segment. He says that we got a new general manager. His test gone for a while, and Mick Foley got fired. And he said it was, a, it was a recently um, someone that, that won for the Hall of Fame. So you hear Teddy Long's music, holla, holla, holla. He comes out there, and like, it's like, no, Teddy, it's not you. Oh, okay. And then he goes in the back, and then Kurt Angle obviously comes out. And – Kurt Angle's so over, and I think it's very similar, a little bit more so to Kurt, but similar to John Cena. I think people like Kurt Angle and even John Cena, but they like saying, you suck, because it's a part of his, it's, it's a part of his whole entrance and everything. So, great segment altogether. Kurt Angle, it's true, it's true. He's now the GM. He's here. Chris, how'd you like it? Uh, I like it, and they did some good segments later on. We might not get to talk about them. He had a couple little funny skits, um, specifically with Sami Zayn. I thought that was kind of good, even though they continue to try to make Sami look like a goof for some reason. Um, but, yeah, overall, uh, the end zone cast thing he did was pretty good later on as a GM, and it, it's kind of what like, we, we talked about him probably being the GM there. I'm kind of curious on how they shift. Uh, is Shelton Benjamin getting getting there, or uh, Gable and uh, Jordan coming over from SmackDown, maybe? Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I thought the Vince, the Vince promo is you know classic Vince, and it was pretty good. Um, and he didn't let the crowd like uh, get into a CM Punk chant or anything crazy like that. So that that was smart. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of done with the whole you suck. Uh, Kurt Angle music. I, th- I think they can just do some different music or just like have him do the stuff in the back. He doesn't necessarily have to come to the ring and if, they, if he comes to the ring, just do what they do on every other fucking raw and have him start out there like they do with Stephanie. Uh, but yeah, because I, I mean, it's negative. He, he doesn't suck. Like, obviously, he's next to the whole thing. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Like, no, I, I just, it's to me, it's stupid when crowds chant that. It's like the what chant. I don't really like the what chant unless Stone Cold is involved. I hate it. the what chant. Uh, it, it's just, it's just something that rubs me the wrong way. But yeah, people like singing it, so good for them, I guess. But like, seriously, think about what <laughs> you're saying, and then that's how good Kurt Angle is. Juwan, how do you feel? I, I I love this segment. I, I love uh, I love Vince. I love when Vince comes out to make these declarations and everything. Um, I thought it was funny with the whole tragedy with with Steph thing. Um, I actually just want to say really quick, and then I'll let you keep going, Dane. I 
I'm a fan of Do You Suck, and mainly it's because Kurt Angle's okay with it. So it's just like if he's okay with it, I, it to me it's just it's funny. It's funny because it's so far wrong, you know, it's so far from the truth that it's just it's it's comical. I will agree that the what is annoying is shit. Um, and too many superstars play to it, and that's what makes it more annoying. But the the you suck thing, I you know I don't have that much of an issue with it. But I, I will say I agree with with you guys. If he started coming out with you know no music, like after commercial break, he's just in the ring or something like that, that would be a lot better. But I don't have that much of an issue with it. Yeah, I I, I get having an issue, not having an issue. I, you know, I do think it's ridiculous to an extent, because it is Kurt Angle and how good he is, but he was such a goofy heel for such a long time. It's kind of like him embracing it, so I don't know. Um, But I could go either way. All right, so I'm going to throw out three things that happened, guys. You can talk about real quick. All right, we have the New Day coming out, talking about how they want to challenge someone. They introduced a revival, which is awesome. Uh, New Day, uh, you know, put over the revival, which makes sense, but, like, what's going on with the New Day? And then we have Bailey, Sasha, and Dana Brooke defeating Nia Jack, Charlotte Flair, and Emma, who returned. Woo! Anyways, um, and afterwards, Charlotte's dumb enough to actually start fucking with Nia Jax, and she basically pushed her right to the ground. Right, last, uh, or right before the ending, uh, Brock Lesnar came out with Paul Heyman, uh, you know, starts talking shit, basically, and starts pointing out that he's going after people. I remember he's you know, hinted at Roman Reigns, the crowd was chanting for Finn Balor, uh, and then Braun Strowman comes out, gets right in his face, you know, he basically says, screw Roman Reigns, he's my problem, if you want to, you know, make him your problem, you got to get through me, sort of thing, and looks like we could be having Strowman versus uh, Brock Lesnar, which would be interesting, how do you feel about this, Juwan, all three of these, talk about whatever you want, how about that, <laughs> Um, well, screw the New Day. You know how I feel about them. Screw them, screw them, screw them. Um, the Divas, the Divas, the whole Divas thing, whatever. Um, the, the Brock thing, I told you that royally pisses me off. Uh, mainly because it's like, you know they're never going to have Braun Strowman beat Brock for the title. So he'll probably have it to like freaking SummerSlam or something ridiculous like that. Um, so that, all three of those segments were stupid to me. Okay, that Chris, how did you how, how did you how did you feel about that? Uh, the the Braun Strowman thing I thought was fine because more than likely it's just going to be Braun versus Roman Reigns, and then whoever wins that match gets a title shot because I don't think Brock is on the next pay per view, so I'd assume that they're going that way. Um, the Charlotte kind of having a little bit of a a spiff with uh, Nia kind of pushes me more towards she might be turning face soon. And maybe Sasha will be turning heel, and um, maybe Sasha and Bailey are going to work against get each other, and, and Nia and Charlotte are probably going to work against each other unless they switch the rosters, which we can talk about later. And then what was the last thing? I'm missing something. Uh, you're probably missing the revival defeating the New Day. Yes, uh, I still like the New Day, um, specifically Xavier Woods. I think he's hilarious, and Biggie. I think it would be cool if one of the New Day got drafted, if they didn't do this whole tag team switch-up thing, and maybe they split Big E away, and you just have Kofi and uh, Xavier just work as a tag team, and maybe dial down like the that. amount of New Day promo you get. I think it'll it'll freshen it up and be a little bit better, and then they can eventually turn on each other and work a program. Um, Xavier Woods, I think, would be a pretty good 
heel. He was pretty good in TNA as a heel with his uh, his Austin Creed gimmick, or, or yeah. So uh, it it could be fun. It just depends on what they want to do. I could see Big E getting over as a uh, singles competitor if given the right push. So maybe maybe they'll go that route. Kofi is technically going to be injured, I think, or he may have already been injured, and that's why you haven't seen much of the New Day. Because the revival put the uh, put that knee injury on him, so I think they'll play that angle up and, and maybe have them go back and forth to the revival for a little bit, setting them up to go against the Hardys, I would think, because I think the Hardys are going to retain over Sheamus and uh, Cesaro. I agree. All right, uh, we got three things before the main event, which I definitely want to talk about. Backstage, Chris Jericho is being interviewed. He starts acting like you know Chris Jericho, and puts Kevin finger Kevin Owens finger on the list of Jericho. Uh, and then he's attacked right afterwards by Chris Jericho and Smojo. They double power bomb through a table. Chris Jericho basically cannot wrestle. Uh, so Kurt Angle says he's going to find him a replacement. Uh, we have a number one contenders match. Sheamus and Cesaro defeated Enzo Amore and Big Cass, or as I like to call him, Big Dude, and guy that likes to get the shit knocked out of him for, I'm assuming, Vince McMahon's, uh, you know, kicks. Um, I don't even know what the hell's going on with them. I could see them getting split up from the strap. Sami Zayn defeated Jinder Mahal because they started crap earlier, like we were talking about. Basically, Kurt Angle did something that I think that we said that he could possibly do where, you know, two guys are bickering. All right, well, you guys go in the ring and, and, and figure it out. Like, you know, that's, that's it's going to be Kurt Angle for definite. But uh, Sami Zayn goes up, Jinder Mahal, whatever. Uh, out of those three things, what do you guys want to talk about, Juwan? Um, I, I guess the uh... – Chris Jericho being taken out. Um, I think I saw a uh, an official poster for uh, Payback with Chris Jericho on on the cover of it. So I'm assuming he gets his payback um, uh, against Kevin Owens. And like I said before, I guess maybe they can start up something between Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. So Chris Jericho goes and then bring Finn Balor to face KO for the title. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's the highlight out of everything for me. All right, Chris. Yeah, the last segment, I think the, the highlights definitely them taking out, you know, Jericho and then uh, Finn Balor, of course, showing up. Sammy Zayn match, like, it was a squash match. I mean, just beat the shit out of poor Jinder, um, which is what he should be doing. But, you know, it, you don't really feel like Sammy Zayn is going to get over from that or, you know. Um, but, yeah, the last match was fine. It, it was it set up Finn as um, – feuding with either KO or Samojo. I would assume that Jericho is going to lose at payback and then you'll get Finn versus Kevin Owens. Um, because I would assume Seth Rollins is going to be going against Samojo. Uh, even though like Finn helping Seth makes absolutely no sense from, for the fact that when he injured Finn Balor, he was a heel at the time. So like uh, that, that kind of is out there, but whatever they had to deal with it because he was injured. So, we can move along. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I didn't get a chance to say. Well, Finn Balor's back, basically. He's Seth Rollins, uh, what you call it, partner. And I completely agree with you. Why is Finn helping the guy that put him out for that many months? You know, uh, he's just going to go on his team. Like, I guess they need to amp up the fact that, like, they hung out because they had those pictures online during rehab or something. I don't know. I really wish that Seth Rollins is still a heel. I think he's better as a heel, but we're not going to see that, obviously. Um, but, yeah, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins defeat Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. It was great to see Finn Balor come back. It's a very similar feeling, but I think Shinsuke 
uh, on SmackDown was more, but a very similar feeling to that. I just love seeing him come down, his interaction with the audience. Um, and Juwan, how did you feel about the last match? I loved it mainly, uh, only because of Finn Balor coming back. Uh, I loved Finn Balor. I didn't get a, get a chance to watch him that much in NXT. Um, so when I first saw him be bumped up, I just I loved his his character. So I loved seeing him come back. Um, but that that was just the highlight to me. I mean, the match went as predictably as you can imagine. But uh, him coming back was the highlight. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. We got Finn Balor back, guys. All right, so let's go to SmackDown, uh, which luckily is only two hours instead of three. Uh, the show opened with WWE champion Randy Orton reminding the WWE Universe uh, of his beat them, join them, screw him mentality, if you will. Uh, basically, it was you know him just gloating, and then you have Bray Wyatt come on the screen and he asked him to do the House of Horrors match, which I'm, I'm hoping is not that horrible match of the cage on top of the cage on top of the cage from WCW. Um, again, like glimpses of the Taskmaster and the Legion of or the whatever. Just don't want any of that shit to happen. I'm hoping it's a cool new gimmick match that Bray's come up with, or at least creative has come up with for Bray and him to fight it. Uh, but basically he's on a screen, then the lights go out, then he's behind him. Like he teleported. And then Eric Rowan comes out of nowhere. Luke Harper comes to save uh, them. Really cool interaction seeing Eric Rowan with this new, like, I don't know, like, steampunk goat, weird mask thing, but very cool opener. Basically, it's going to be the two of them, uh, Bray and Eric Rowan versus Luke Harper and Randy Orton at the end. We also had the next match, which is SmackDown Women's Championship match. Naomi defeated Alexa Bliss. I don't care. I'm just glad Naomi won again. Uh, Ty Dillinger defeated Kurt Hawkins, and we got... Mr. Ten himself, Ty Dillinger, coming up on SmackDown. Out of all that, what tickles your fancy, Chris? Well, I'm not a big fan of Ty Dillinger, so I could take or leave that. He's over because people like yelling Ten, and that's just annoying to me. So um, moving past that, uh, the promo at the beginning, I, I could care less. I, it, I'm still sore after that WrestleMania match being so bad that I don't really care where that feud goes. I'm assuming that the House of Horrors is going to be like a monster ball type TNA match where they hang shit from a cage or something. And then uh, the women's match, it was cool to see Naomi get the win. She's selling the legs, so that gives gives them a chance to take the title off if they want to or need to, and hopefully that doesn't happen, but we'll see see where they go from there. Juwan? It better happen. Uh, I want Becky Lynch to get that belt. Um, but I guess out of everything, the the opening. But I, I kind of agree. Um, uh, you know, it was cool to see Eric Rowan come back. Yeah. That's uh, at least one cool thing in the steampunk goat fucking mask or whatever the hell it was. All right, so we also had Mojo Riley cutting a really good promo about him winning. I like Rojo. I think he's got charisma. Austin has liked his last two promos along with me, so if Steve Austin says it's cool, I'm cool with it too. Then you have one of my favorite things of the evening. Basically, Ms. Marie's come out, and they make fun of the whole entire engagement, dressed as John Cena and Nikki Bella. You think that John Cena is going to come out and beat the crap out of them. No, all of a sudden the violinist comes to the main stage. The lights go out. He's there, and he starts playing a very familiar tune, and the house 
goes nuts. I'm so happy that people, you know, I know he's in NXT, but I'm so happy that people are aware of Shinsuke Nakamura and just so graceful doing his little weird Michael Jackson maneuvers down the ramp. Uh, how did you feel about that? Uh, you know, not knowing him that well, actually, Juwan, because you don't know uh, Shinsuke too well, do you? No, I, I, I don't. Um, I think the one match I saw, one or two matches I saw was him and Samoa Joe. Um, and I, did, yeah. I appreciated the, uh, his, um, his gimmick. And I thought he was really, really, really good in the ring. Um, great in the ring, actually. So when I, when I saw the violinist and then I saw him come out, um, you know, I started, I started going crazy. Uh, but the best, best feeling about it is to see how engaged the crowd was and how everyone in the crowd, uh, you know, knew of him and how, how engaged they were uh, with him coming out. I just thought it was weird that he didn't come out and at least hit a finisher on the Miz. So I thought that was a little weird. Yeah, I agree. And I'm wondering if, if Miz doesn't get drafted somewhere else, if there's going to be like a little bit of tension between the two of them. Chris, how did you feel about that whole thing? I think that the Miz promo ran a little long for TV, so they had to rush Miz out of there and hit Sinsuke before, like, a commercial or something. Because it doesn't make sense with him working against the Miz, in all honesty. Um, but from that standpoint, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like Sinsuke Nakamura when he's in New Japan. Uh, I loved him in NXT, specifically the match he had with Sami Zayn, which was Sami Zayn's last NXT match I thought was one of the best matches of that year. And um, I look forward to seeing him work uh, against, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to put him against, but anything Sinsuke does, I look forward to seeing it. It's going to be a good match. Hopefully they don't put him against, like, some, like, Dolph Ziggler or somebody because that would be fucking awful, but <laughs> we'll see. Which I think he had a dark match that... with Darth Dolph afterwards, by the way, so hopefully they're not going that route. I mean, there could be worse than, I think, Dolph Ziggler, but, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I hope they find someone that matched up with him. I wish that we could see him go against uh, Daniel Bryan. Obviously, that's not available, but they would have really, I think, had good in-ring chemistry. But let's move on from that. we got Shinsuke Nakamura now on SmackDown. Everyone's excited. Hurrah, hurrah. Let's do the last three big things that happened. Uh, Baron Corbin defeated Dean Ambrose in a better fucking match than the one on Mania, which, I mean... SmackDown after Mania, I get it, but this was awesome. There was a huge street fight with Vulcan combats battling all over the arena using steel chairs, tables, uh, leather strap at one point. Uh, Corbin scored the victory after chucking a chair at Ambrose's head and catching him with the end of days. There was that spear in, into the table where both of them looked like they got fucked up from that. Uh, awesome match. After that, Shane McMahon comes out to talk about what his dad did with the whole thing, but gets cut off by AJ Styles, who says, basically, I want to be here and is very baby-faced. As, as heel as Roman was on Raw, AJ Styles is baby-faced with this whole entire thing. says, I want to be here, but that's not the reason why I'm here. I just want to let you know that I, there's something that I need to do. And he hand, gives him a handshake, and, you know, it's cool between the two of them, and there's that funny moment where he's walking away and, like, kind of bucks at him real quick. But it's like, aha, just kidding. Awesome little segment, loved it. And then, obviously, the last match, Randy Orton and Luke Harper defeated Bray Wyatt and, and Eric Rowan. Um, Orton pinned Rowan uh, following an RKO. There's a part where, you know, Wyatt gets out of there real quick, it teleports himself out of the ring, stuff that they could have done during the match at WrestleMania, whatever, and uh, basically leaves Eric Rowan fucked with, with Orton and uh, Luke Harper. 
But, uh, yeah, great three matches. SmackDown and Raw was so good. Juwan, give me a couple words about this stuff. Um, yeah, no, uh, both both shows were definitely great. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you uh, with the um, Baron, Baron Corbin, uh, Dean Ambrose match. It was definitely a thousand times better than um, WrestleMania. And then the ending to the show was, was I'd say, somewhat predictable. Um, the Shane McMahon segment, I think the biggest thing I took away from that is they made AJ face just in enough time to probably trade him over to Raw. I could see that happening too, Chris. Um, I I appreciate the I appreciate the AJ Shane segment. I thought it was good. Uh, AJ, I don't think people really want to boo him because he's just consistent, consistently having good matches. So it's it's really hard to boo him even when he's trying to be a heel. So I think it makes sense. Um, once again, the the tag match was fine for what it was. Why? It, but if Bray just got Eric Rowan back, why would he fuck him in the middle of the ring like that? Which kind of sucked. Um, so I was, yeah, I didn't like the end of that match. I figured there was ways around that where they still could have had Randy Wing clean. Uh, let's see. I'm missing some. Oh, the Dean Ambrose. Baron Corbin. Corbin match. I thought, I thought that was the best match out of, of, out of Raw and SmackDown. Um, and it's kind of what they needed at WrestleMania and didn't have it for some reason. I guess because it went on before Shane and AJ maybe? I don't know. I, it was, it was good. It, it, Dean Ambrose works so much better when he's able to brawl. Um, and I thought it was a, a really neat finish where he, he, you know, Baron looks like he's getting his ass kicked and then he throws the chair in desperation and uh, Dean bumps onto the ropes, hits his nuts, and then gets hit with the end of the day. I thought that was a, a pretty neat finish. So uh, I, hopefully yeah. they do something with Baron. I'd, I'd like to see him get the title. But other than that, yeah, that, it, was, it was a good show. I enjoyed SmackDown more than Raw personally. I like them both, but yeah, I definitely think that SmackDown had a little bit of an edge. I think SmackDown's been having a little bit of an edge the last couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, weird that that was not for the Intercontinental title. I'm sure that they're going to have like a uh, another match. Baron Corbin, I'm assuming, is going to defeat Dean Ambrose. Um, yeah, I think Styles is going, man. I guess I will get into our last topic. Oh, and also that teleport, man. I was hoping that Sanity was going to be in the ring instead of fucking Bray ditching. Uh, Eric Rowan, I really for a split second thought all of them were going to be there, part of the Wyatt compound, but that didn't happen. But we have a couple more minutes, and I'll let you guys like say goodbye along with maybe some predictions about the shakeup. Uh, I don't think anyone who has a title or anyone who has a major feud going on right now is going anywhere. Um, I think that Charlotte could be going to SmackDown. I really do think that could happen. Maybe Alexa Bliss to Raw. I think Charlotte could make the women's division SmackDown, give it some life a little bit. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to go with Tag at all. I could see Dolph Ziggler going to Raw. Um, I don't know what the fuck else they're going to do with him. Uh, what do you think? And, and obviously, say goodbye to everyone. Uh, Chris, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, honestly, I think they might keep AJ Styles on SmackDown. Um and maybe move some other pieces of SmackDown around. Maybe Dean Ambrose comes back to Raw. Uh, I think that would give Dean Ambrose a push. I hope uh, Sami Zayn gets moved to SmackDown just so we'll have different people to work with. Because he's just been getting beat by Kevin Owens so many times in a row. It, it, it would be good to disassociate those two. I don't think Kevin Owens is going anywhere. Um, I would like to see Samoa Joe maybe get traded over to uh, over to SmackDown to go against AJ Styles. I think that would um, and yeah, that's pretty much it as far as things I would like to see. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, as always, Chris, this was a lot of fun. Juwan, uh, how about some predictions a little bit before signing up to good people? Um, yeah, no, I definitely sense a uh, a huge trade going on. Yeah, a redraft. Um, but as always, love doing the show with both of you guys and can't wait to talk about the huge shakeup next Wednesday. All right, man. Sounds good. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show, us talking about WrestleMania. And uh, just always catch us every week, 8 o'clock. We do this thing. We talk two hours about wrestling. And uh, it should be a good year for, I think, uh, WWE. Get some other promotions, too, next time. Big thing is, Undertaker's gone, but his spirit is wrestling and his, and his influence will live on forever. Remember that. That was really cheap. But oh well. Shit happens. Thank you guys for enjoying another episode of Wrestling Geek Alliance. Stay strong, Geek Five Nation. Have a good night. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.